Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. All right, we'll welcome Michael Hansen as he continues our sermon series. Hey, good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, I thought uh, as an icebreaker today, we'll, uh, on a scale of one to 10, why don't you yell out when I say go, how you're doing today? Won't that be a fun icebreaker? Ready? On a scale of one to 10. One, two, three, go. Okay. Okay, that's helpful. That's helpful. Let me just write that down. Okay, that guy. Okay. No, seriously, it's uh, really good to see you today. And good morning to our live streamers. I can uh, smell your coffee. It smells good. <laughs> looks, pancakes look good. Um, we're halfway through our Lenten series, our 40 days of, of prayer and fasting. And our series is called Jesus, or sorry, I Am Jesus in His Own Words. And uh, we're looking at the seven I Am statements of Jesus that are found in uh, in the book of John, the gospel of John in the New Testament. And so far we've looked at, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Last weekend, Andrew did a wonderful job looking at, uh, I am the gate or I am the door in, in John chapter 10. And if you remember last weekend, Andrew said, uh, really this is part one of a two-part story. And so uh, today I'm going to be looking at the second part in John chapter 10, where Jesus says, uh, I am the good shepherd. And right off the top, it's important to note that Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd. And uh, I believe in the story, he was communicating something to them. And, and today he's communicating something to us. And basically what he's communicating is, hey, you need to be aware there are other shepherds out there. Like there are a lot of shepherds out there that you can follow. There's a lot of shepherds out there where you as a sheep uh, can attach yourself to, uh, to that shepherd but what I'm telling you, Jesus would say, what I'm telling you is, <clears throat> I am only the shepherd that is truly, I am the only shepherd that is truly good. And so a good question would be, well, Jesus, why are you saying that in the first place? Why are you saying I am the gate, I am the good shepherd? And, and, and so if you remember last week, and Andrew looked uh, just for a bit of context of why Jesus was saying that, who he was saying it to. Uh, he looked at John chapter 9, which comes before John chapter 10. You can fact check that. But, but in John chapter 9, uh, we're not going to review it, but Jesus demonstrates, uh, he demonstrates really what good shepherding looks like. Uh, if you remember, if you're familiar with that story, uh, he, he heals a man. He rescues a lost lamb, uh, um, you know, basically who had been born blind, right? And he, and he not only heals the man's physical eyes, but he also heals his his spiritual blindness. He opens his spiritual eyes. And what I mean is, as we get further into chapter nine, it, it, uh, we come to this point, we're right near the end where there's this, we see this beautiful picture of this man now healed, <clears throat> worshiping Jesus. And I'm assuming on his knees before Jesus and he's declaring his belief in Jesus. And, and he's, uh, you know, not only his physical eyes, but his spiritual eyes had been opened. So that was good shepherding. And then in John chapter 9, uh, same, same chapter, same story, we also see the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, we see them demonstrating what bad shepherding, and that's the last time, only time I'll say that, but what bad shepherding looks like. And I think it's, <clears throat> it's helpful to say, it's also humbling to say 
that uh, the Pharisees were basically the pastors of their day, right? Like, like if you look in the New Testament, everywhere where you see the word pastor, the original Greek word used is a Greek word poimen. And you can see there, what is it? look what it means, a shepherd, right? A shepherd. So the, the Pharisees of old, you know, the role then of a Pharisee, the role now of a pastor is it's, it's a shepherding role. It's to lead people like a shepherd in following, in understanding the ways of God that we, that we find in his word, that we, what we find in the Bible. It's leading people and encouraging uh, them in a very real uh, daily relationship with God as they walk out his ways. And, <clears throat> but in the story, the ones who, who should have pointed at Jesus, right, the Pharisees, the, uh, the, the, the uh, teachers of the law, etc., the ones who should have said, hey, this is the guy. This is the guy that we've been telling you about all this time. You, you, you must follow him. Instead of, instead of pointing Jesus out that way, they, they literally condemned Jesus in the story for working, for you know, healing on the Sabbath, one of the Ten Commandments. Uh, they, they took the commandment of God, and really these guys, they twisted it. They wrongly taught it. They wrongly interpreted what was a, a, a law, a command that was given by God to give life to give freedom and rest to, uh, to people. They twisted it and they really turned it into a burden of performance. Like you, you better, you better get it right. And so uh, uh, they, they condemned Jesus in the story. And then instead of celebrating the healing of the man, uh, they literally you know, kicked him out of the church, out of the, out of the flock, if you will, because he had the gall to believe that, hey, there's something special about Jesus. Again, it was bad shepherding. So in this, into this context, speaking primarily to the religious leaders, the Pharisees, but also aware that all these people were listening, all these sheep were listening, Jesus says what we heard last week, I am the gate. And then today he's, you know, he follows it with, I am the good shepherd, <clears throat> basically meaning <clears throat> you know, what he was saying last weekend was in order to be in a right relationship with God, in order to be acceptable to God, it doesn't happen by you and I living a flawless life. No. For that to happen, it, it, it happens when we believe in, when we put our trust in the one who lived a flawless life on our behalf. It's putting our belief in Jesus. Jesus is saying, I am the way to the Father. I am the gate. You go through me. But Jesus also recognizes that we're sheep. And that sheep, sheep need help. Sheep need, uh, they're, they're pretty, uh, they don't survive on their own. They need someone to lead them. So Jesus says, not only am I the gate, I'm also the good shepherd, meaning I'm gonna gather you and I'm gonna lead you to myself so that you can be in relationship with my father. So what I wanna focus on today as we look at uh, this saying of Jesus is, is, well, what is it about Jesus that makes him, that makes him the good shepherd? So let's pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump into John 10. So Lord, thanks for, uh, thanks for uh, well, thanks for a snowy morning, I guess. <laughs> um, thanks for getting us here safe. Uh, I pray that uh, today you would come, uh, just come shepherd us. Lord, as, as, as we've gathered, would you come, good shepherd, and just walk among your sheep? Would you come and um, uh, love on us? Just wh whatever we need, Lord, would you come and, 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 and help us today, shepherd us today? We welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Okay, uh, again, last weekend, Andrew said that, you know, these two statements are part of the same story. So I am going to reread uh, the portion that he looked at last weekend. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 10 uh, or uh, follow along your Bible, follow along in your Bible app, or of course, it's going to be on the screen. So John 10 verse 1 says this, Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Okay, so I want to draw from, from that text, that chunk of scripture there. Uh, again, three reasons why Jesus is the good shepherd. And, uh, but before I get to that, I want to I ask you, uh, let me just set up a question. Think about a person in your life, maybe it's someone you know at work, Maybe it's uh, a neighbor, maybe it's someone at school, maybe it's a friend or just like someone who you've been, you know, maybe you've known them for quite a while and you're, you're sort of, you know, sharing life together. You're, and maybe at some point you've shared with this person, they don't, they don't know Jesus yet. And you've shared with this person, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm a Christian. You know, I go to a church. And, and, and what, so here's the question I have. How would you answer that person if they asked you, Describe to me what it's like to be in a relationship with Jesus. Like, there, you know, you're always saying it's a relationship. You know, being a Christian, it's being in a relationship. It's not a religion, it's a relationship. So, so how would you describe to me what it's like to be in a relationship with Jesus? Just, so just think about that. And that's something to consider because really what we're looking at today is very relational language. And, and really what we're looking at today is how Jesus would answer that question. Right? This is Jesus in his own words. This is how he describes his relationship with you. All right, the good shepherd. So number one, number one is this. Why is he the good shepherd? Number one is simply he knows his sheep. He knows his sheep. Uh, uh, chapter 10, verse two says this. It says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And then drop down to 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. Now, 
Again, you know, as Jesus is saying all this, remember, he's talking to the Pharisees, but there's all these people listening in on what he's saying. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that the people of his day would have understood most of what Jesus just said in in what I read. And, And what I mean is, in their day, it would have been a common occupation to be a, to be a shepherd. And so they would have understood, oh, yeah, 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 we know, we know what you're talking about, Jesus. Like, like a shepherd knows his sheep. Yeah, we know that. And, and the sheep, you know, they know their shepherd, especially they, you know, they're, they're, they know their shepherd's voice. They, people would have understood that because not only was shepherding a common occupation, but they also understood that it was a, there was something unique about shepherding. It was an intimate occupation. And what I mean is this, the average lifespan of a sheep is like somewhere around 10 to 12 years. And uh, uh, most of the sheep in a shepherd's flock, they were raised for, for wool, uh, not for meat, or more than, uh, raised more for wool than for their meat or for, or for sacrifice. And so that, you know, the, the shepherd, uh, again, uh, knowing that his sheep are incredibly needy, uh, the shepherd would have been with this flock 24-7. You remember last weekend, Andrew was sharing about how he put the flock into the sheep pen and he would lie down in the door. He would be the gate. He would be the door at night to protect them. So just imagine for years, the same shepherd with pretty much the same flock of sheep. Like, you know, day after day, month after month, year after year, he would have known these sheep really well. He would have totally been familiar with each each sheep's unique look, their, their coloring, their, you know, I'm not, I don't really know much about sheep, but I know they're animals. But, it's, but he would have known their unique looks. He would have known their unique personalities. And from that, the shepherd would have gone, oh, I'm going to call you this, and I'm going to call you that. And I, like, he would have given them all names, and, you know, day after day after year, he's calling them by name. And the sheep, they would have come to know the shepherd's voice. Again, because, because they would hear it over and over and over and over, and they grew to recognize the uniqueness of the shepherd's voice. And so I think the people hearing this, the crowd you know, listening in, they would have totally been like, yeah, we get that, where they would have gone, okay, you, I'm not sure what you meant by this. In verse 14, when he says, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep and my sheep know, know me. And then he says this, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father... Now we have the the uh, the benefit of looking back on this. They they would have gone, whoa, what what does that what does that mean, right? Because because he's talking about like how much do I know my sheep? I know them as much as I know my father. Now think about that. Jesus and his father, they've known each other forever. They've always been, right? They've always been. It's like you know the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They've always been. They've always known each other. And I was thinking, you know, my wife Helen and I, we've been married 35 years. And in knowing her, what, like 37 years, like there's times now where I look at Helen and before she says anything, especially if I'm in trouble, I know, I know what she's going to say, right? And now that's, that's in 37 years. Now imagine if you've known someone for forever, for millions and millions of years, like that is a... That's a level of knowing that it's, it's, hard, it's hard to comprehend. So, when, so what makes Jesus the good shepherd is that he doesn't just know his sheep because he's been with them like, I don't know, 10, 12 years. He knows his sheep intimately. He knows you intimately because he has always been with you. And I think more accurately, 
Uh, you've always been with him. And what I mean is Jeremiah 1 verse 4 says this, the word of the Lord came to me, to Jeremiah the prophet, saying this. This is, this is what God said to him. Hey, Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you even existed, I knew you, Jeremiah. Before you were born, I set you apart. Now, just uh, let that truth sink in. Like before anyone else knew you, before the heavens and the earth existed, God knew you. You were in his heart, right? He, and, and he, like you didn't just happen. He, he thought you up. You know, he, he's the author of you. He thought you up and then like what beautiful language. Then he, then he knit you together in your mother's womb. Like he is, like how much does he know you? He knows you. He intimately knows you. I mean, he knows everything about you. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're going to say before you say it. Uh, and, like, and, he, and he knows the amount of hairs on your head, right? He knows you. And his plan, his invitation is that you would know him and his voice as clearly as he knows you in your voice. And, you know, before I move on to the next point, let me, let me get practical. You know, uh, the sheep got to know the shepherd's voice, how? By hearing it. Day after day after day after day. So how do we get to know God's voice? Right, like in the, in the vineyard, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a foundational belief that we believe that you can hear God's voice. Now, when I say that, just to clarify that, I, you know, I don't think I've ever heard, heard God's audible voice, but I know I've heard him. And what I mean is there's, there's, whether it's someone is speaking or, or I just, a thought, you know, goes through my mind or just something hits me in the heart and I go, I mean, sometimes it's so clear. I'm like, was that audible? Because <laughs> that was really clear. So we, so, but we believe that you can hear God's voice. So how, you know, how do you learn how to hear God's voice and recognize his voice? Well, the primary way to grow in hearing God's voice is by reading the latest book on hearing God's voice, right? Is it, or it's by going to a conference, a big conference, right? Or Now, those are helpful. I'm not I'm being silly. But the primary way to grow in hearing God's voice is it's by reading the Bible. It's by reading the Bible. The Bible, it says that all scripture is God-breathed, right? The Bible, it's his word. The Bible is him. It's him speaking to us. It's God's voice. And as you familiarize yourself with his word, with the Bible, what you find is you'll be able to uh, more and more distinguish whether or not what you're hearing, is this the good shepherd's voice? Would the good shepherd say that to me? Would the good shepherd say to you, you're such an idiot, right? Boy, I know that voice. I know that voice almost every day. Is that the good shepherd? Would the good shepherd look at you and just say, are you ever gonna get it together? Why couldn't you be like, when are you ever like, does that sound like the good shepherd's voice? Because that is not the good shepherd's voice. Because the, the Bible says that the good shepherd, he will never condemn you. He'll never condemn you. The good shepherd, he will never lie to you. He will always speak truth to you. It even says in Zephaniah, it says that, that, you know, here's what the good shepherd, the good shepherd is always singing a song over you. And it's a song of his, of his love. And see, some of us today were being, we're being misled we're by, by, uh, uh, by other shepherds' voice that, voices that are 
posing as the good shepherd as you will. And the, and the reason we're being misled is because we don't know the voice of the good shepherd that's found in his word. How do you spot the lie? Well, in order to spot the lie, you need to know the, the truth, right? So let me, again, practical. If you're sitting there today going, okay, I just really struggle having a consistent, you know, disciplined habit of reading the Bible. Well, let me encourage you. Stop by the info counter. We have uh, uh, Bible reading plans. You know, they can keep you, keep you a little accountable. Or like if you're in a small group, ask your small group leader, hey, I struggle to read the Bible. Where do you, what do you recommend? You know, like don't start Genesis 1-1, like start in the Gospels or, you know, or, or talk to a pastor or like there's so many wonderful Bible apps. But I, I, I want to challenge us that, that to, to really know his voice. You, well, you need to know what, what, he, what he has said in his word. So number one, he knows his sheep. Number two, he leads his sheep. Um, in the passage I, what, that I read, it says that he leads his sheep. It says that he, he goes ahead of them. And so Jesus, Jesus is the good shepherd because his sheep are led, not driven. And you might hear that and go, okay, yeah, I guess that's kind of nice. Uh, but I think, I think uh, those two words are really, there's something really helpful here. Like when I look at the word led and the word driven, do they not, uh, don't, they stir different emotional responses, right? And what I mean is this, uh, Jesus says, my sheep, my sheep are led. Well, when I hear the word led, I, you know, I would say that's calming to me. My sheep are led. That's calming, that is, uh, that's hopeful to me. I feel covered to be led. Don't you? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, I feel cared for to be led. It's comforting to know that someone is going on ahead of me to lead the way. So there's my sheep are led versus what gets stirred up when you hear my sheep are driven. Driven, right? Like my, it's sort of my, uh, my, it's my, you know, that the word driven to me stirs some anxiety in me. The word driven says, hurry up. Would you hurry up? Would you hurry up? Like the word driven says, you're the one out front. You need to figure out where to go and what to do. There's a real difference there between led and driven. Jesus was responding to the bad shepherding of the Pharisees, right? They were driving. They were driving the sheep. And here's what I mean. Another story in Matthew 23, Jesus said this to the crowds and to his disciples. Hey, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. So it's important what they do. They're interpreters of the law. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Doesn't, doesn't that give you a word picture of, of, like, of driving, like, like of a picture of driving the sheep? They would interpret the very laws that were intended by God to lift burdens off of us as people. They were interpreting them into literal weights on the backs of the people. Like, you, you better get it right or God's going to be disappointed with you. You better clean up your act or, or God's going to reject you. Right, like, like they would heavy, cumbersome loads of performance. That's bad shepherding. But what does the good shepherd say? Matthew eleven twenty nine. Here's what Jesus says: Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right? Jesus, in describing the kind of relationship he wants to have with you, he says, hey, 
I've come to give you life. I haven't come to put more weight on your shoulders. I've come to lift the burdens off your shoulders. His sheep are led, not driven. Uh, He also leads us because sheep by nature, they need to be led. I mean, I've grown up in the church. I've heard so many times how, (laughs) like literally whenever we talk about the shepherd and the sheep, I've just heard about how Silly sheep are all the time. Like they are not the sharpest knife in the drawer. And, and that's who God chose. I like guess he didn't say the eagles. We're not the eagles, we're the sheep, right? And it's like, and because and, sheep need to be led. They need to be led to food. They need to be led to water, led to safety on their own. Sheep, sheep don't do well on their own. Check out, check out this video here. Here's a great example of, of a sheep really in need of a, of a shepherd. Look at that, he's falling in a ditch. And I can interpret what he's saying. Help me. Help me, I dropped my cell phone. Okay, well, look, now watch. He's free, go free, go free. Oh. Now that, is that not, is that not the picture of the human life? Look, and I think it stops there. They just, I think they walk away. Oh no, look at that. Okay. Oh, I interpreted that and that wasn't nice. That wasn't nice. Sheep need to be led. We're pretty hopeless on our own. So number two, he leads his sheep. Number three, he protects his sheep. He protects his sheep. Uh, Jesus continues in verse 11. He says, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Now, again, remember who he's talking to. The, the Pharisees are right there. And, and it's pretty obvious. I, I think they were aware who Jesus was referring to when he was talking about the hired hands and just what a, a bad shepherding job they were doing. Because he's sort of saying, hey, you guys, you, you, you act like you own the sheep. You put yourself above them. You act like you own them. You drive them hard. But in your hearts, it's very obvious that you care very little for the welfare of the sheep. And, and, and because, you know, what we just saw in John 9, and you see it all through the Gospels, that, that when the going gets tough, right? And, and what I mean is, when things aren't going in a way that really is, is beneficial to the Pharisees, when, when they're, when, you know, when something happens that they're suddenly they're, they don't look good. I mean, I don't know if that's too simple, but I think that's accurate. Instead of caring for the sheep or protecting the sheep, these hired hands, what do they do? They abandon the sheep. Or in the case of the man in John 9, they, they literally kicked him out of the, out of the flock. And, you know, when I Googled uh, the lifespan of a sheep, another point that came up uh, was that the number one reason sheep die, and it, and just to be accurate, it said in the United Kingdom. So I don't know if there's just something they're doing over there. But, but the number one reason sheep die is not from wolves or foxes or even from illness. The number one reason that sheep die is from neglect. Neglect by the farmer. Neglect by the, by the shepherd. And again, I, you know, I know we have some farmers here. So I, I feel like... Feel like I want to get it right. That you guys can send me a review afterwards, and and uh, but wait till after the second sermon, but or second service. But sheep are very needy animals, right? And one of the things you you may have heard this before, but one of the ways that a, a sheep will die is you know sheep. If a sheep lies down to rest on the ground, 
like something I didn't realize is that, is a, do you know that a sheep has a flat back? And so when you've got a sheep, especially a, a heavier sheep or a pregnant sheep, uh, when, when they lie down on their side to rest and when they go to get up, if they don't roll the right way, zhoop, meh, they're, now they're stuck on their back. And that's what they say, meh, right? But, they, but get this, if that sheep lies in that position, over time, the gases build up inside and in 24 hours, as it builds up in its stomach, that sheep will die. Yes, and <laughs> yes, <clears throat> and it's called cast down, right? It's called cast down. And here's the thing, think about it. That, that's how they died. Like all they needed, all that little, all that sheep needed was someone to go, hey, let me help you. Thanks, you know, and off they go. That's all that they, that's all that they needed to survive. Now, let me, let me get a bit more personal. You know, as a pastor, I am aware that there are, there are sheep, people, sheep in the church. There are many sheep who have, who have left the church because uh, when they, at a time in their life when they fell over, maybe this is you, when you fell over, uh, they were, instead of being helped, they were neglected by the shepherd. They were neglected by the, by the pastor. And, you know, and I don't know, if that's you or someone you know, and um, uh, maybe their, their story was they, you know, they weren't even, they, let alone they weren't helped up. Maybe, maybe it was even so bad that maybe they were even condemned or judged for, well, what are you doing in that place, in that situation in the first place? Right? They were neglected by the one who was meant to care for them. Or maybe, you know, maybe the neglect didn't come from a shepherd pastor. Maybe it was a shepherd parent or a shepherd spouse or a shepherd boss or shepherd teacher. You know, like basically anyone in, in your life who was given a shepherding role over you, meaning they were meant to care for you. They were meant to help you. They were meant to, to protect you. And instead of doing that, they, 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 there was times where they neglected your needs. Or maybe in some extreme cases, their neglect made it obvious that they cared way more for themselves than they did than they did for you. You know, there are a lot of wounded lambs in this world, maybe in this room right now, maybe, maybe you know, joining us online, who are wounded because of bad shepherding. And uh, uh, if we stopped here, this would be a pretty hopeless a pretty hopeless uh, message. But thanks be to God that he sent his son, Jesus, the good shepherd. And it says in the Bible, it says in Luke 19, that why did, you know, one of the reasons Jesus came was to, uh, was to seek and to save that which was lost. What a great, not just good, what a great shepherd that he came to earth to seek out, and he hasn't stopped, to seek out and to rescue all the, all the lost lambs. And, and in John 10, there's this short little section, but a very helpful phrase about, about how Jesus did that rescuing. It says in verse 12, it says, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. Okay, I think it's fair to say, oh, so the hired hand doesn't own them. But basically what he's saying is, but the good shepherd, the good shepherd does own the sheep. Well, how does Jesus... How does Jesus own us? Well, you know, the picture I get is <clears throat> like picture like a massive, massive sheep auction. Meh, meh, all these, 
all these sheep. And over here, there's a huge section of all these neglected, weary, you know, just beaten down sheep, right? And Jesus steps up to the auctioneer and he says, hey, I'll take them all. I'll buy them all. And the auctioneer goes, what? You want those sheep? And Jesus said, yes, I'll buy them all. And the auctioneer says, well, how are you going to pay for so many sheep? And Jesus says, I'll give my life. I'll give my life for all those sheep. My life for all of theirs. See, uh, boy, there's, there's something so powerful about knowing that you're owned, owned in the best sense, right? That God, when God says, I own you, what he's saying is, I'm responsible for you. I take full responsibility for your life. And, and you know, I think of uh, in this, this purchasing of us, there's a charge that's given to, to young pastors, to many pastors as they step into a pastoral, a shepherding role. It says this in Acts 20, it says, Here's the charge. Keep watch over yourselves. Keep watch over all the believers. The Holy Spirit has made you leaders over them. Be shepherds of God's church. Why? He bought it. He bought all those people with his own blood. See, he, he owns you. He's responsible for you. You know, no matter what trouble comes your way, this good shepherd, he will never abandon you. He will never abandon you. He, he knows you. Uh, he knows his sheep. He leads his sheep. He protects his sheep. He is the good shepherd. Why don't we have the, the worship team come on back? I want to end off with this. In uh, what I just said, I mean, is that, is that how you describe your relationship with Jesus? Right? Think about that. Is that how you would describe it? I mean, I, and on, honestly, that's like the beginning of, of, a, of a relationship with Jesus, just to know that he knows you, he leads you, he protects you. And, and I, what I want to end off today with is just, is just to know today that, that that is how he describes the type of relationship that he desires, desires to have with each one of you today. So why don't we stand up? Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.